This is Faith. And this is Anna. And this is Let's Just Go For One, a podcast about kind of normal women talking about kind of normal things. This is our dedication to all the good feels that come from just spending even just a half hour with your bestie. All topics include celebrities, to motherhood, to marriage, to divorce, to wellness, astrology, and the latest beauty trends. Whether you're at your desk, in your car, working out, or just enjoying some alone time. Hey, Faith. Hey, Anna. Let's just go for one. Hi, Faith. Hey, Anna. How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you? Good. (laughs) Happy Martin Luther King Day. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Although we have to preface, this is a week out of when we're releasing it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ooh, spoiler alert. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we only are starting it a little bit earlier because someone will be in Costa Rica next week. I'm so excited. I'm so so excited. When this podcast is released and you guys have all the feels, you can't text Anna and tell her anything about it because she will be like meditating with yogis. I'm not going to give a shit. Yeah, she's going to have herself a good old time. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm so excited for that. So, welcome to our podcast. Yes, thank Um, you for joining us today. Some housekeeping, as always, make sure you go on our social media at. Let's just go for one on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> and you can also email us mm-hmm. at let's just go for one at gmail.com. Do we want to talk the drink of the podcast? Oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I am actually having a glass of rosé that actually Emily Saramac got me Ooh. for my birthday. And I haven't opened any of them, but I really wanted rosé today. So I oh, did girl. bust one open. They're Good 12%. I'll be drinking this for Holy a week. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I drank one of these, I blacked out. But I'm yeah. not going to do that this time. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Keeping the professionalism yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. We were compared to the Hollywood Reporter today. I won't say by who. Yeah. Yeah. So no big deal, guys. We, we're just going to keep the professionalism going. Yes. Um, I am drinking Detox Dandelion Tea because I spent the weekend at a hockey tournament and ate at such places like Smoky Bones and <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, yeah. yummy. My digestive system hates me right now. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. like a volcano in your tummy. Oh, it sure is. <laughs> and out of my tummy. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Good stuff. So um, do we have a walk of shame from last week? Yeah, we do. But only <laughs> two people know about it. So I feel good about this. Um, well, we haven't had a technical issue in a while. Yeah. So ever we since we upgraded our equipment. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, but I forgot to um, put the the intro to the podcast in the... Um, original airing, and then I released it. And then five minutes later, for some reason, I started playing it, which, which I don't was normally the universe. play it right away. It totally yeah. was. And I was like, oh, son of a bitch. So I had to unpublish it and then republish it. And it had already had two plays at that point, which I'm assuming are me and you. But <laughs> just but if case. not, those two listeners definitely dropped off anyway. They totally did. They're like, yeah, they were what? Like, we don't even understand to. this. This is idiots shit talking show. about. <laughs> I thought they were professional. <laughs> yeah, that's over. Yeah, that's okay. It's do you okay. have a do you have a wait what for the week? I do. I have Tell a me. few wait what's. Oh. Well, for and they actually all involve you. Oh, so I mean, it can be for both of us. Should you not have a wait what? But cool. I have some good ones. So first one, we had our Australia donation yes. event at Rise last Friday. Thank you so much. There were eleven. Well. 
There were 60 people who came. Oh, my gosh. There were more than that that contributed and donated that mm-hmm. couldn't make the event. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Noel, I think, said there were like 11 or 13 people who never had been to Rise before who <gasps> came from listening to our podcast. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So we really love that you guys came out. You guys should know we raised $1,130. Um, I love it. I went through like a bunch of different pages to try to figure out like we just want to make sure it was going directly to Australia and that it was like legit. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going through Leonardo DiCaprio's donation <laughs> site because like Leo knows what's up, right? Right. He's not going to mess this up. No. He's like so into world conservation that there's no way he'd put up like a bad link. And he's had it up for like two weeks. So if it was, someone would have already like yelled at him right. for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So um, we donated it to his organization and 100% of the profits go directly to local firefighting efforts. Um, it supports affected local communities. It does rescue and recover wildlife. And they also help goes to implement long-term um, prevention things for Australia so that these fires, if they were to break out again, don't spread as quickly. So that's, that's where the money went. So thanks to you guys. That's snaps to you. Yeah. Oh, I'm bringing no snaps back. Again. No. Um, <laughs> It's fine. I mean, do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going on vacation in five days. I don't care what you do. <laughs> and then I have another wait. What? Can I just say that yes. um, the next time we do an event, if you are a podcast listener, please come up and say hi to us. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should get some gear and then we could like throw it out like a T-shirt, like a T-shirt Can gun. Can I get a T-shirt gun? Can we get one? That would or like a cannon? Yes. Start like boom, boom, yeah. boom. I mean, we would probably put a, a hole through <laughs> Rise's wall. They're but... actually taking a wall down. Oh, perfect. we could just assist with that. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so the next wait, what, which yeah. is really exciting for a podcast. I don't know if you've been going on Anchor lately, which is the software that we do our podcast from. No big deal. Sponsored. We just hit 10K. Shut your face. Swear to God. Actually, we're 10K.1. Oh my God. So guys, 10K. I wanted to get the balloons that said like 10K, but then I remembered I'm not 20 and I do this with no makeup on. So I didn't want to get a picture of that. Right. And those balloons are expensive AF. I know, but I have a helium machine. So that helps. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, I wish I would have known that three days ago. Yeah. I do. Of course she does. I've bought she like a few to. of them. I'm she like a professional to. party planner. She but really anyways, is. 10K. <laughs> oh that is so That's exciting. So and then I also realized that we may have started to make it like make make it like made it. I don't know. What? Because we are starting to get a ton of spam on our Insta store. <laughs> oh my God. I totally saw that. Did you see I was that? like, who are these people? Oh my God. Please? We like put out a question because this is our mm. financial podcast. Yes. And so we put out like questions like, do you guys have questions for us? And like, it's always been like listeners and stuff. And like both on my Instagram and the page, it was like, hey, check out my Instagram. And then we can like each other. And then yeah, I, I saw like, that. Hey, Please check like my, my latest page out. Post. Hey, did you see my latest post? I'm like, Oh my God, we're so famous. We're getting spam. We are getting, we we're have so made famous it. that I'm now ignoring people on our yeah. spam. <laughs> I'm super excited. So no, hit, I, I'm not going to like your last We post. hit 10K <laughs> and that comes with a side of spam. Yes. 10K and a side of spam. That's I love what it. we're calling it. I love it. <laughs> there's the episode name right there. There's the episode. And it also applies to money. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then the last, wait, what I have. I yes. know they're short little quibs. No, I love it. So I was listening to a podcast that's from Michael um, Bostick. Do you know who he is? No. He funded Dear Media, which is the oh podcast company, Dear Media. Yes. So he's the CEO of that. He My started that. My favorite podcast 
Oh, it's from it's Dear Media. From Dear Media. Well, Michael Bostick has his own podcast that I listen to. Oh my god. And so we were talking, or we were, ta- we were talking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when you listen to podcasts and drink rosé. You think they're your friends. We are all of your friends, by the way. Like my last post. <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to him and he was talking about how like he got into podcasts about eight years ago when nobody was really doing podcasts. They weren't really on the yeah. map. And he originally had to do his podcast through another company. And he was just dealing with all these issues. But he had this advice and he's like, if you want to do a podcast, you have to be ready to like barrel out a hundred episodes and make zero money. And oh, he goes, great. Okay, yeah, we're right on and track. He- <laughs> I and think he goes 26. Right. And he goes, we have been doing this for eight years. I finally started my own podcast company. He goes, but I always tell people that think like, oh, I want to do a podcast. He's like, be ready to be invested. You're probably not going to even start making money off your ads until eight months in. And past that, it's probably going to take you two full years before you start making real money. So, and I just checked our anchor account. I was just going on <laughs> to it to check what our, what we are at. And we are really on track. Oh, my God. Yeah, we've actually made some money. I mean, we won't talk about how much money. I don't know. Oh. Do we need to? It's not well, that much. I mean, I was going to just because we're super close to hitting $100. <laughs> and I feel like that's a super big deal. That when is. we hit $100, I'm going to buy the balloon. Okay, we'll do a 10. I'm we'll gonna... just do the 10 that I wanted. Just add another zero. We'll just yeah. add another zero. <laughs> we'll get like the money sign. I'll get like a Scrooge yes. McDuck balloon. Yes. <laughs> we're gonna get it oh ca- we're gonna cash that out in all pennies <laughs> we're gonna be so famous and then when you look at our income to debt ratio yeah. of the podcast oh ooh. well again calm down again calm well, down getting some shade from our guests speaking of debt <laughs> yeah exactly how do you like that segue <laughs> it's perfect so today we're super excited because my sister is our guest today and so um, we want to start this off by saying she is not a financial professional, we'll say, but I do believe she is a financial expert. She knows a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Oh, she- <laughs> that was Faith. That was Faith. That was not our guest. That was me. <laughs> Super professional. into stuff. Um, so let's welcome Rosanna. Hi, Rosanna. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want you to also say what inspired this podcast, Anna. I think this is really important. Okay. So while Rosanna is not a credentialed financial planner, she really nerds out on this stuff. And she is actually very helpful as much as I don't like to admit that. But um, first, for our longtime listeners, this is indeed my sister that saw me at C-Bar and we had a whole conversation in the bathroom when I was on my first date. You're like super famous. And I don't sound like that. (laughs) She does. She does. Wait, I'll I'll get her to do it before the end. (laughs) Um, But she is really good at helping um, to kind of put financial stuff is really overwhelming. Like Faith and I kind of talked about this. And um, to make it a little bit easier, like for me personally, my story into finances, it wasn't until I was getting divorced that I realized that I needed to get my financial shit together, really. Um, And really like looking at everything, like where you have money and how much debt you have and all that stuff. Like it's all stuff that causes a lot of anxiety in people. 
Um, so, but Rosanna was like the person that I went to that totally helped me to get my shit under control. And it was super helpful for me. And I feel like it would be helpful for a lot of our listeners too. A thousand percent. Do you know when I started to get my shit together financially? You were today years old (laughs) when you read these questions. Yeah, right. Well, no, I actually read these questions and was like, oh, apparently I don't know what I'm doing. Um, No. And I was like 20, 24 and was like super, 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 super in debt, like crippling debt Mm. because I had my daughter at 20 and like we had no money. And so we just had to like put everything on credit cards and just like survival mode. Mm -hmm. And then you come out and you're 24 and you have student loans and you're like crippled with debt and credit card debt. And it took us like six full years to dig ourselves out of that. And then once we did, and we actually got a really good financial planner. And then once we did, it's, it's totally different now. But I mean, it took for us to be in severe debt to start Because no one really teaches you this. I mean, your parents try to, and they try to teach you the basics, and our parents did a great job with it. But when you're desperate, for us, it was just desperation. We were desperate, we were broke, and you had to kind of do whatever you could to pay the bills. And then you start to learn from that. So I think in both of our situations, when we started to get our stuff together was because we had the rug pulled out from us in a sense, in two different ways, you know? Absolutely. But, but we're trying to help you guys so you don't have to wait until that moment comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're trying to be proactive here. Yes, don't be us. Yeah. <laughs> in so many ways. But I also think if you are in that situation, understanding that you're in that situation and how you can get out of it is really important and that there is a way out of it. Right. That's I like that. That's a hopeful statement. That, that really is, is. I wish someone would have said that to me. <laughs> yeah, instead of you're gonna die. <laughs> what are you doing? Shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this is more to provide like a framework for our listeners. So we're not gonna like tell you you should you, specifics because that's a lot of information. But just like financial wellness 101. Yes, there we go. Absolutely. Right. I think it's important as part of your whole body well-being that right. you also have financial well-being. Yeah, especially when you're waking up in the middle of the night with the sweats because Mm -hmm. you're paying bills that you can't afford. Yeah, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah. So kind of starting off, um, like where to start? What do you think are the biggest um, steps that you need to take in order to start your financial wellness journey? Well, I think the first place to start is understanding what your expenses are and what your income is. So you know what you're bringing in and where your money is going. So whether that's using a budgeting app, I personally like Mint myself. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. There's also Personal Capital, and I'm sure there's a slew of other ones too, budgeting apps that you can get a a hold of. But you want to make sure you understand where your money is going. Because if you don't know where it's going, then you're not going to know how it's getting there, and you're not going to be able to stop any um, spending that is unnecessary. And you want to make sure if you are in debt that you are knowing where your money is going and you're paying off your debt before you do anything else. Okay. So, and just start by doing like using an app for that then? Yeah. You can use an app. You can use a piece of paper and a pencil or a notebook. What is that? <laughs> you can <laughs> use the notes app on your, on your uh, iPhone if you want. Just making sure what you're spending on your credit card. You can even use your credit card statement. If you're kind of if you're the kind of person who spends everything on your credit card, look at your credit card statement and account for every um, expense that you have. 
So when we were trying to get out of debt, we had to do that, which for my husband was really easy. But for me, it was like, mm, it's like facing your entire class at school naked is how it felt for me because I had to write every single thing. And at the time I was working at the mall. So there was a literal budget for Starbucks that I couldn't afford that was in my budget. And like for one month, I had to keep track of every time I spent money and I had to categorize it. Like, is this personal? Is this what, like what category does that go in? And actually I think we ended up doing it for like three months. We met with a financial advisor. She made us do that for three months and we had to come back to her with that. And then she kind of showed us like where we can like trim certain things. It was pretty much all me. (laughs) <laughs> um, but where we had to trim her and then she's like and then look at you have and she circled this debt here and you're chipping away with the minimum payments and mm-hmm. you're spending out here where you shouldn't be so we have to double what you're paying here because you it, and you know what else it makes me well it made me sick although every once in a while it still makes me sick because I have children you're spending money all the time on them um but it's it's tough to see how much you make and how much you spend because when you see how much you make, you're like, oh, I actually make a lot of money. What, where to go? Yeah, you know. And then you see, why do I have ten dollars right? left you, yeah. at the end of the month? <laughs> if you don't know where it's going, you can't stop that spending. Exactly. So that's a hard thing to do. But guys, right. it's like doing a food journal or anything else. Yeah, like, exactly. It's good. Hold yourself accountable. No one else has to see that paper unless I, you're married. I think, <laughs> but I think doing it for two months or three months is a good idea too. Because sometimes you have um, expenses that you don't expect certain times. Right. So understanding, you know, if if you know every six months you have to pay your auto insurance. Right. Then for six months, how much is your auto insurance going to be every month put in the amount that's going to get you to what you need at six months and make sure that's included in your budget as well. Okay. So you don't get this, you know, thousand dollar bill and not know what to do with it. And same thing with taxes, same thing mm-hmm. with, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're planning a party for your, your children, or if you're planning some kind of vacation, you want to make sure that you have all of that put into your budget, but it's hard to budget unless you already know what you're spending. So right. you need to look at how much money you're spending grocery shopping so that you can say, you know, for the past three months, I've spent $500 a month on grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. If that seems like, a good budget to you, then that's where you can set your budget at. And then you can see if you have to save someplace else in order to be right. able to do that. Um, what do you think the Grange falls under? <laughs> groceries. Uh, that would be restaurants Gro- and eating out. Oh, okay. I, I would say groceries. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you get leftovers you can eat for lunch the next day? Yes, groceries. <laughs> then that's sort of sure. as a grocery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like. I'm going to find a loophole for the Grange <laughs> Thank every you. time. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but if you know that you'd like to go to the Grange once a month. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. sure. Once a that's month. a thousand percent how many times <laughs> we go to the Grange. <laughs> then that's something that you want to budget for. So you know that that expense is going to go out. Okay. It, it's not as though you have to stop everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You just have to understand, well, if I'm going to go to the Grange, I can't go to Amazon and shop online. What? If I'm going to go out with oh, friends and I know I'm going to go here. out with friends, <laughs> then I'm going to take something from another part of my budget. That's the important thing to know. Now, it's what? not that you can't do things. You have to understand what your values are and what you'd like to spend money on. What about when you spend money in your sleep and you don't remember? What oh my gosh, she's got a real problem with that. I do. That's this. not real. <laughs> I zombie shop. You know that state between like fully asleep and sort of asleep? 
I go on social media a lot and I have my credit card number memorized. I think it's like, cause I'm Asian. I don't know. It's like the only number I can remember. I have mine memorized. Do too. you? I do. So I will like, I'll be half awake. I did it the other day. I bought this tattoo brow makeup stuff and I, and I like, I woke up and I was like, did I buy that thing last night? I was looking at it in like the wee so, hours of the morning. You know what you can do though? When you, just as a general rule, when you shop online, instead of hitting buy that item or bl- buy it in one click, add it to your cart and give yourself 24 hours to yeah. make a decision about whether or not you want to buy it. It really If works. you're still thinking about it right. or if it's something that you really need, then yeah. 24 hours later, it's still going to be there. And if you do need it, then get it. And if you don't, then yeah. at least you've had a chance to, you know, come Digest down from that it. high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a high. It's like mindful shopping. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Intentionality (laughs) is very important when it comes to finances. It's not about not doing things because you don't have the money for it. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding what's important to you and that that is what you want to spend your money on. So you don't spend it on the other peripheral things that don't matter. That was such a kind way to talk about money. I just want to point out, you were not this nice when we were doing this last year. <laughs> well, that's because it was face-to-face, just the two of us. Right. So, uh, And she was trying to protect situation. you. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> here's one thing that you actually helped me change my perspective on, our emergency funds. Ooh. So Susie Orman, who is slightly more aggressive than you. Well, <laughs> slightly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you need like three months of, uh, um, salary. No. Oh, three months of, of expenses. Expenses. Thank you. Words are oh. hard. Um, and that is when I actually figured out how much that was, I was like, <laughs> too much. <laughs> well, I that's also necessary expenses. Right. So that's not going to not include in the grain. That right. fell off that's the list. not going to include eating out. That's going yeah. to include, you know, groceries. Basic living. Right. Your rent, your utilities, your car payment, if you have one. Yes. Your basic living expenses. So what do you think is for somebody who's trying to not be overwhelmed by this, like what's a good starting point for that? Um, I would start out with having at least a $500 cushion. So if something happens to your car or you, That's know, you have some yeah. kind of expense that you need that was unexpected, then you have at least that $500 cushion. And if you already have credit card debt, you don't want to continue to add to the credit card debt. Mm-hmm. You want to have something there that you can use to pay off um, you know, whatever unexpected expense you have. Okay. So start with $500. Okay. Um, and then eventually build that up to three to six months worth of expenses. Um, but you're going to want to do that after you've already done a little bit of your debt um, pay down. I will say that by building that emergency fund, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that actually made me feel like physically better about other stuff. Oh, yeah. Where I for was sure. Like, you it's know your what? safety net. I'm not, exactly. And yeah. it really wasn't like I just changed my perspective. Like it doesn't need to be like $40,000 right now. Like you need to. I just pulled that number out of my ass. I'm like, is that um, your three months of expenses? <laughs> she's probably. got another problem. <laughs> she's real bougie. <laughs> wow. I don't know if you've seen the Grange prices. She's but... going to Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> but it helped me to be like, you know what? It I just start building it. And then I did. I just started building it and it's Well, you it's, just feel more confident. When you know you yes. have money in the bank that's not being used for anything, you don't right. need it for anything. Yeah. You just feel better about life. 
Exactly. You really do. 100%. And as you start building a larger fund, as you you know pay your debt off and you get to the point where you, you want to build your three to six months of expenses, try to find an online savings account mm-hmm. that gives you a good interest rate. So you can at least earn you know somewhere between one to 2%. Okay. Because a lot of the banks right now don't have... You like you know where you would have your checking account and stuff. A lot of them don't have really good um, interest rates for their uh, savings accounts. So if you can earn two percent interest, that's better than point zero one percent, which is a lot of what a lot of banks are doing. Do you find that credit unions have better percentages? You can check. Um, the credit union that I work with does not have a better percentage for um, savings, mm-hmm. but I found that. If I also have it in this online savings bank, it's a lot harder for me to access that right. money. So it's right. not a matter of just doing an automatic, you know, switch over to my checking account to pay for something. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple of days for it to check to get into my checking account. So that is helpful too, because if I really need it for an emergency, I usually put whatever the emergency is on my credit card and then mm-hmm. I can pay that off through the emergency fund. But I'm not going to just, you know, easily t- be able to take the money out for dinner at a restaurant, <laughs> right. an unnamed restaurant <laughs> with my friends every week. That's well, great. I just, I, I just, I was thinking about getting this app and I'm like, oh, I'm going to ask the podcast. Um, Acorn. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Acorn is a platform where I think it actually invests money for you. It takes your change. Yes. So if you're like at Tim Hortons and your drink is like $2.89, it'll take that 11 cents. Yeah. Yeah, It'll just be $3. And it takes all the change from your credit card transactions and then invests it for you. So that's a great way to get into investing and saving that way. But any emergency fund that you want to have should not be invested in the market. Right, it should be right. in something very safe, like a, a savings account that's right. not going to lose money if the market goes yeah. down. Yeah, I'm sorry. I brought that up at the wrong time. <laughs> no, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> but that is a great way to start invest, automate. Automate, yeah. Because investing. that is the easiest way to save. If you have your savings on um, automated so that it comes automatically out of your checking account or I'm sorry, out of your uh, paycheck mm-hmm. every time you get paid, then you don't even have to think about it. It's right. not even money that you are considering. Oh, I should see if I can do that. I probably I sh- can. Yeah. yeah. I have any savings account that we have. I have money automatically coming out of my um, paycheck so oh, that every I week. don't even see it. Yeah. Same. I like that. Same. And, and people are doing oh. that anyway, usually with their 401ks or their investment or um, their retirement accounts. A lot of that comes out automatically. So people don't even see it and they don't even think that they're losing anything or they're not, they don't have something that they want to spend money on. I'm checking mm-hmm. this as we speak because I'm like, huh, can I do that? Um, you guys I, keep talking. Uh, well, I, do it used, th- I used Acorns for a while. Acorn. Acorn. Whatever. Oh, you did. The Acorn. Um, I used it, yes, only it was attached to my bank account and it doesn't take it out every transaction. It was like once a month. I'm like, what oh, is I don't this $30 like that. deduction? Yeah, I don't oh, like that. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, so I would want it right like away. That, don't do it. Oh, that's good to know. Because I feel like they have to have like a certain increment before they can have it deducted from your account. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. So look into that before you do that. Because I think each of those mm-hmm. transactions cost money. Something. Yeah. So 11 oh, cents. Oh, yeah. So they're going to want to do it all it at costs. once. That right. makes sense. Well, I, I'm on my bank app and I think I can do it, but I, I don't have time to look now. I was just... You totally can. 
taking a peek. What, what I banks actually, do you guys have? Is that too personal? We won't talk about that. I don't want to have identity theft or anything. <laughs> I use M&T. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm Bank of um, America. So what I do, what I started doing when I got my new car is now I have my um, car payment automatically deducted biweekly oh, as soon as oh. I get my paycheck. So now we're talking about a topic I was familiar with. <laughs> debt. Same, debt. Same. <laughs> same, same, same. I feel like it's funny that debt and death sound really similar because they feel kind of similar. Yeah. One, one can cause the other. Yeah, I swear to God. That's true. That is true. And also both ways. That can yeah. go. That, yeah. That's an either or. Right. <laughs> Who are you borrowing your money from? <laughs> The local mob boss. <laughs> just move my chair over a little bit. Um, so I think one uh, kind of where to start with that is to check your credit score. And I feel like a lot of people, even like, especially people our age, not Rosanna's age, because she's a little bit older. Um, <laughs> she's going to kick you under I the table. Well, I mean, my and, credit score is 830. Oh, oh my god, damn. is it? Oh shit. That's Which I amazing. Think qualifies me to do this podcast. Right <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. I call qual- that qualifies you for a lot. <laughs> for real. Um, but I think so many people are afraid to even look at it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I think that goes back to the whole knowing what you're spending. I yeah. think it's also important to understand what you owe. So yeah. what is your mortgage or rent? What do you have any car loans? Mm-hmm. Are, do you have any credit card debt, high interest credit card debt? Do you have any uh, student loans that you're trying to pay off? Look at what you owe and then look at what you're paying in terms of interest. Mm-hmm. That is going to be huge. Right. And the two ways that you can pay off uh, debt that you have. Well, the first thing that you want to do is as quickly as you possibly can get rid of your high interest consumer credit card debt. Thousand percent. Yeah. Because you're paying 21% interest on your express interest. store credit card. No. Yes. It's <laughs> terrible. Now, if you close down uh, credit cards, that sometimes negatively affects your credit score. Right. Yep. But um, so I don't necessarily, you know, think that you should shut all your credit cards down. Um, Mm -hmm. But you could cut them up and not ever use them again. That's probably a good idea. But you want to look at how much money you're paying in terms of interest because the high interest credit card debt is the first one that you want to get rid of. And there's two ways that you can get rid of it. You can do the snowball method, which is paying off the smallest balance first. Who and that, is, is that Dave Ramsey? That's a Dave Ramsey thing, I mm-hmm. think. Um, oh, so Dave Ramsey? He's a credit, he's credit card. He actually, he's very anti-credit card. He's just a financial guy that oh, helps okay. people get out of debt. Okay, cool. He side side note he mm-hmm. he's pretty aggressive. He's more aggressive than Susie Orman, I think. Is he he's, someone we know, or is he like famous? He's famous. He's famous. Oh, I thought you were talking about like some guy. Like, oh yeah, like Dave, Dave Ramsey. Like, yeah, I Dave. thought you were talking about like so a friend. You know. I don't know. My buddy Dave <laughs> says you guys are sisters. You method. obviously <laughs> know mutual people. It's like you and the podcast Not guy Dave from Ramsey. Dear Media. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I am Dave Ram- Michael Bostick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he's Name a dropper. little. He's a little more. You're like Ina Garden over there. Um, he's, he's a little more aggressive, very aggressive, but he really speaks to the people that are really in debt. Yeah. 
And I, it has to get real with them because they've, they apparently haven't been real the entire time. And, um, you know, he has his baby steps that mm-hmm. you can go through mm-hmm. that I'm sure if you just Google Dave Ramsey and, and baby steps, it'll go through and give you all the, the baby steps that he has. But one of the first things that you need to do is, oh, so the snowball method. Okay, so to get back on topic. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the you're snowball good. method is when you pay off the lowest balance first. So you get you get a win. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Right? You find yeah. the credit card, you have the least amount of debt in yes. and pay that off first. Well, you should know in an Excel spreadsheet, in the Mint app, in whatever app you right. want to use, or pencil and paper, you need to make a list of all of your debt that you have. Mm-hmm. So like I said, the mortgage or your rent, well, although mortgage is more the actual debt, um, the rent is more of a living expense, obviously. Car loans that you have and the high interest credit card um, debt that you have, you need to make sure that you are you understand what the interest rate is for each of those. Right. Because so the snowball method, you start out and you get that psychological win. Like, oh my God, I just paid off a card. That's fantastic. Let's move on to the next one. Let's celebrate so, and go to the Grange. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> and pay cash. No. Pay cash. This is harder cash. than I thought it was yeah. going to be. Sorry. Really? Well, actually, that's one of Dave Ramsey's things uh, to have cash. So do you know that I, I don't pay anything in credit card? I very rarely have a credit card on my body. Really? I'm a cash girl. 100%. I, I never have cash. Always pay with credit cards. I'm 100%. In fact, like if I want a TV or furniture or if we're doing something, then I'm just putting cash aside. Every I, My mind works really Smart. good as a bank. I always tell people like if I pass away, like I don't have as much in the bank as I do hidden in my house. Right. Yeah, well, I'm we all literally know that. the that old might lady. Be the Italian in you. It is. It totally <laughs> is the Italian in me. But I'm like, I don't trust the banks. I got my own money. Yeah. But um, no, I do everything in cash. Like if I'm gonna buy a couch, I literally walk. I wait and save and save and save, and I'll go in there, and they're like, we have these great financing options. I'm like, no, I have cash. And I don't know if people know this, but if you have cash for appliances, furniture, TV, anything, you can get get way better discounts Mm -hmm. than finance plans. Mm -hmm. Um, You just ask your manager and say, I have cash and willing to pay today for the entire thing. They will give you way more deals and discounts than if you got a credit card through them. So FYI, I'm a cash girl. So that's why all this is very interesting. So I'm very much and I pretty much canceled all of our credit cards after we went through everything we went through in our 20s. Mm-hmm. We have like two credit cards, no one, and Dan doesn't let me have it. So <laughs> now, well, you know, well, you've credit, got it memorized anyway. Your, your credit <laughs> card score is important if you want to borrow money. It is. So if it you're is. not if you're saving so that you don't have to borrow right. because you know when you when they do that 0% financing, to, right. you know, don't pay for six months and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, that is, they're going to check your credit score. A thousand percent. And if you don't have above seven, you know, 50 or right. 720 or something like that, I don't know right. the exact number. Yeah. You're not going to get that zero percent. And you know what? That was probably where it started because in our 20s, like I'll just be very open because I feel like this podcast has only been successful because I pretty much talked about all the mistakes right. I've made in my life. Um, but in my, when <laughs> I was so like, real. Yeah. When I was like 25, <laughs> my credit score definitely started with a five. And now I'm in my 30s and my credit score my credit score starts with a seven. Yay. And my goal is when I'm in my 40s, it'll be like yours. 
So I'm working on it. Yeah, someone just gave my age away there. Thank you. Well, 14. Well, you know what? She just turned 40 and our user or yeah. our, our users. Our users. <laughs> our users. The rose is kicking in. Our <laughs> listeners know she just turned 40 and oh, she so just said was, you're older. Yeah. I didn't. So that was so you're there. like because aren't you like 40.5? Yes. <laughs> I'm she is, yeah. Nine yeah. months older than Anna Maria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just want to say that uh Dave Ramsey, for anybody interested, he does have a budgeting app. It's called Every Dollar. Oh, I'm gonna get it. Yeah, so you can download that. It is like you gotta fill that out in like stages because it's a lot. There's also you need a budget. That is a, mm. a zero dollar budgeting app. So, you know, budgets are great. Um, but I feel like people feel really restricted by budgets and they won't stick with them. Cause if you feel like you're, you're not doing what you want to do, cause it's not in the budget that you're going to, you're not going to stick with that. Mm -hmm. So that's why when you track your expenses and you understand where your money is going, instead of creating a budget, just know this is what I have to spend. And, um, figure out what you want to spend it on. You know, you're really, really like it's kind of coinciding with like a diet. <laughs> yeah. Is. Like a budget yeah. can be restrictive, like an eating plan or nutritional plan. Mm -hmm. And like and my goal to. is if you want to have sustainability, you right. have to make it realistic. So if that cup of coffee at Starbucks what or Tim Hortons or whatever it is, is important to you, then you have to either put that in your budget or figure out where to deduct somewhere else. You have to prioritize and then go from there. Drinking is yes. a priority to me in my <laughs> nutritional plan. <laughs> so, in, but I've been better. I usually pick one day a week or two days at most to have a drink. And I try to like just you know, keep that consistent. Well, you just blew your load today, by the way. I know. Well, I haven't drank all weekend. Everyone else. Well, actually I did, but one day. <laughs> See what I mean by it's really hard to stick to? Like, yeah. yeah. It's just like that. It's a budget is very much like that. So you want to give yourself realistic goals, but the only way you can make realistic goals is if you have realistic accountability. And guys, mm -hmm. I've been there. I've been the girl at 25 with a shit ton of debt and a bad credit score. And there is nothing worse or scarier than checking your credit score, writing your budget, and right. seeing how terrible you are with money. It is terrifying. Oh, uh, yeah. And when you're doing that and then learning to be the head of your household again. I'm oh. like, what the fuck? But guys, if Anna and I can do it, yes, you guys can do it. Don't be scared of it. You yeah. can keep it private. Just keep it for you. No one else has to know it. It doesn't need to, it should actually be something that once you have this information makes you feel stronger going forward. Cause I actually think 100%. not knowing and is actually scarier because you're the imagining it the is. worst possible thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super empowering to take it control is empowering. of all this. You are, yeah. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking control and you're understanding what you owe, what you own. And oh, I just took the tagline from one of the podcasts I listened to. Oh. <laughs> Whoops, trademark. They're not listening. <laughs> they're not listening to yeah, us. They're probably not listening yeah, to They us definitely anyway. stopped. <laughs> Dave Ramsey um, might be. <laughs> right. Um, I want to bring it back. So uh, talking about the credit score. So for anybody who, in case they don't know, so what are some of the factors that are, that contribute to your score? Because well, it's not just about like what credit card you have, period. That is a bit of a component to right. it. Uh, but the first thing that they're going to look at is your payment history. So whether mm -hmm. or not you, 
I just hit my face on this. Um, so whether or not you've paid your bills and you've paid them on time. Mm-hmm. So one of the most important things that you can do to increase your credit score is to make sure you are paying your bills on time. This is your utility bill, your mortgage, your credit card, minimum payments on your credit card if you can't do anything else, mm-hmm. any loans that you have. You want to make sure that you're paying them on time. That's the number one thing that you can do to help your credit score. Okay. What? So what about credit usage? So that's the amount of debt that you have. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that that's um, between well, zero to 30% of um, your uh, income, right? You know why your credit card asks you why <laughs> you, what your income is? Mm-hmm. Um, this because they want to know in the, to either raise your mm-hmm. uh, amount, your limit, or to decrease your limit mm-hmm. based on how much you have because they don't want to extend a $25,000 limit to someone who's only making $30,000 a year. Right. So that's why they have that. So the amount of money that your, your income that you're bringing in, Mm -hmm. um, you want to have your credit card usage or your credit card debt to be less than 30%. Okay. Um, also we kind of skipped over this quickly, but what would be the best apps or website for credit monitoring? So I'm going to just say Mint again is the website or the the website and app that I use. And that has my credit report, um, not my credit report, my credit score um, right on there. And I get an update from that. One of the other things that I would really recommend people do, and I've told Anna Maria to do it. I'm not sure she's done it or not. But, um, (laughs) you know, especially you mentioned before about um, fraud. And yes. identity theft. Yeah. So about a year ago, I froze my credit. Okay. So that means that nobody can open an account in my name because my credit is frozen in my name and social security number. Oh. So you okay. have to go to all three credit um, bureaus and freeze which your, are which are uh, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Yes. And you had to call them all? You you can go onto their website and they have a way for you to do it. It's now free for people to do it. It's a And why did you do this? Sorry. So that someone can't open an account in my name. Because you're not planning on opening any more accounts. So you were okay freezing it? Yes, I was. So if I knew that uh, so actually last year I changed my cell phone provider to a different cell phone provider and even uh, for whatever reason they needed to do a credit check. They do. Yeah, with cell phones. Yeah. So they uh, I found out from them which credit which credit reporting place they were doing the the credit check from and then I called them and unfroze it for three days oh okay so when you freeze it they give you a pin number uh, you have to remember the pin number you have to write it down somewhere or make sure that you do not lose that pin number because if you lose it you're in a world of trouble if you're trying to unfreeze it but um you put the PIN number in. You un- The process to unfreeze it was very simple. It's an online thing, too. I said three days was the amount of time. You, I think they had different amounts of time that you can select. And then it froze back up again. Hmm, that's after. interesting. So that's a really great way. So a lot of people do credit monitoring services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, some weird a- activity on your credit mm-hmm. report, then they'll let you know. But A this lot of credit cards that- do that now, too. Yeah. Yeah. And but this actually prevents that from happening because right. no one can open an account in your name. Yeah, that's smart. I um my bank actually is through Bank of America works with I think Equa 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 Equifax Equifax and I get my credit score mm-hmm. through there. But like years ago, I signed up for Credit Karma, 
just because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's free. I like totally, I'm a sucker for most things. So obviously I'm a sucker for those commercials. And so I've had Credit Karma for years. I really don't ever use it, but it, it just will check my score. And it's funny because I recently got a car loan because we just got a new car. Mm-hmm. And I had like, 80 email. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Someone's yeah. looked at your credit score. Yeah. Are you doing an auto lease? If not, reply to us immediately. This could be fraud and blah, blah. And I was like, oh, like I really don't go on Credit Karma that much, which I probably should just cancel my account because I do it through my bank because mm-hmm. I just log into my bank account and it mm-hmm. always shows my credit score at the bottom, kind of like mm-hmm. Mint. Mm-hmm. Um, And my bank also has like through Bank of America, they have a budgeting app on there and it tells me what I'm saving versus what I'm spending and how much more I should be putting in. So mm-hmm. just as an FYI, if you have Bank of America, it's really, really helpful. Oh, um, great. But Credit Karma sent me like 80 emails, like literally like you're not responding. Is this really you? Like <laughs> someone checked into your credit report and I was like, well, it's good to know this is working. Yeah. <laughs> and if you had frozen your credit that you would yeah. have taught you would have had to talk to the credit financing people or the, I'm sorry the car financing people to let them know and ask them which credit credit reporting place they go right. through just so yes. I could unfreeze it so then you would have to unfreeze it for a certain okay. period of time so they well, that's good that. to know um I use credit sesame and I love this app because sounds why? Asian <laughs> <laughs> Does I it mean, only I just have do to say that? Um, it does. So it uh, you can do like an analysis and it'll talk about your credit and then it'll talk about your debt too. And oh God. Um, oh, debt my to mortgage credit ratio. Um, yes, it talks important. about that too. And then it lets you know, uh, it breaks down your, so your credit score breakdown is credit usage, payment history, credit age, which. Right. And so when you close down those credit cards that you've had since you were 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That negative negatively affected impacts yeah. your credit score. Yeah. Because I would imagine that the new credit cards that you've had, you've only had for, yeah. you know, a couple of years. No, well, I oh well, no. I closed down all of my credit cards at 25 when I was super in debt. And then um, well, I think I consolidated them onto one credit card, then took out a loan because that was a better interest rate, paid off the consolidated credit card, and then just paid off the loan. And it took us till, like eight years to pay off the loan, mm-hmm. seven, seven years to pay off the loan. And then we were in the clear with no more debt. And it was literally cards from stores. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Stupid shit. Yeah. Um, but no, but then it was good. It was good to go. But that's what we did. So um, all the cards we have now, we got after we kind of went through that whole ordeal. Sure. And it's funny because like when we finally paid off like the last student loan, the last credit, like everything was good. And like going into 30 felt really empowering because I closed down a lot of that stuff that was going on. Right. It was funny because like we have literally, I think, two credit cards and like the spending limit keeps like going up exponentially right. every six months. And we're like, we don't want that. No, you can call your credit card company and say you don't want I that. I think Dan did because he was like, my wife's going to leave me for the credit card. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, it's a very funny strong relationship you right. have with that credit card. <laughs> every time we paid something off, though, it like flew up again, right. flew up yeah. again. So, yeah. but it did. I mean, my 20s were a mess financially, but my mm-hmm. 30s, we are getting back on track. When you know better, you do better. Yes. Thousand yes. percent. Thousand percent. So we're trying to help your listeners get to the know better part. Yeah. Um, and don't and don't feel bad about yourself for what you did before. 
Right. Because you didn't know, you didn't pay attention, and now you know, and you're going to do what you need to do to get yourself in uh, financial wellness. I also will say for what it's worth, which sounds like a long time, but trust me, it does go by quickly. If you have a bad credit score or history, it's seven years. I don't know why. It's like the seven year It drops itch. off after yeah, seven years. It drops off drops off. At 32, I was like a new woman. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It was really hard not to go out and get more credit cards. <laughs> yeah. I get it. But I, I did Willpower it. is <laughs> <Yeah>. incredible. <laughs> I went to the Grange instead. <laughs> but I think that's really important is like you can't, you can't change the past, but you can change your future by yeah. learning, by giving yourself awareness on yep. what you're spending things on and being woke, yo. Be woke. I sound super young. Oh so the God. second thing that you can do to <laughs> pay off your credit card is called the avalanche method. Oh, yes. Talk about oh, that. Yeah. Is so that Susie Orman? I don't know. Is this I don't your friend Susie? Trademark, trademark Susie. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're dropping a lot of names over there. No, no big deal. So the avalanche method is taking your highest interest rate and paying that off first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Because mathematically, that's going to save you the going to save more money in the long run. Right, right. I like that method too. Um, what about like with loans, student loans, car loans, all those type of things? Do those work against your credit? Because that's always kind of like a conversation. People are like, is that good credit? Like, okay, let me rewind. Yeah. What's good credit versus bad credit? I think people say uh, I'm not really sure. Okay. You mean good debt versus bad debt? Yeah, that's probably what I should okay. say. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Good debt. Bad credit is four hundred. <laughs> oh so, yes, yes. I, yeah. I feel like bad debt is debt that is on a depreciating asset. Okay. So a car loan technically is bad debt because when you drive your car off the lot, it's going to go down in it's value. It's depreciating. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A credit card debt is bad because you already have the stuff and it's used already. So you're right. never going to sell it for more than what you purchased it for, right? Okay. So Unless you keep the tags on and can return it. Okay. <laughs> She's your sister. <laughs> She's your sister. Stay classy. <laughs> Stay classy. <laughs> Um, so, but something like a house, uh, most people consider a house like an appreciating asset. Okay. Hopefully you'll sell the house for more than what you bought the house for. Okay. So a mortgage is usually in a, a, a good debt mm -hmm. and student loans are one of those things. In yeah. The where does that fall? Well, you don't necessarily want to go hundreds of thousands of, of dollars into debt to get an education, right. but you are technically bettering yourself, hopefully, right. and you're increasing your chances of getting a better paying job okay. if you have an education. Maybe not so, first semester bettering yourself, but like after that, like well, sophomore year. State totally. schools are really nice. I'm encouraging my children to do either trade school or state school. Same. So they don't need to go to a private institution. But, but like when a credit, like, so when they're figuring out your credit school, and let's say you have student loans and a mortgage, but let's say you have very little credit card debt. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is that going to affect you badly if you have like student loans out and like a house loan and a car loan? Or as long as if you have those loans, but you're paying them, does that make sense? Like, as, yeah, I think as long as you're paying your bills on time. Right. And it's the, the high interest credit card debt. That's going to be the kicker. But if you have two car loans, if right, you have right, a mortgage right. on an income property and a mortgage on, you know, your primary residence, right. I mm -hmm. think that might make a difference. But I'm not 100% sure. But okay. it's but the what counts 
at different percentages. So the right. paying your bills on time right. counts for like 35% of what your credit score is. Really? Do you know what the other percentages are? Sorry, do we cover this? The amount <laughs> of, I miss this? The amount of debt you have, I think I read that that accounts for about 30% of what your credit scar- score is. So credit, 30, credit usage? Uh, credit history, debt. credit usage. Yep. Your credit usage is 30%. You are correct. So that's a nice way of saying the amount of debt that you have. Okay. Yes. Your credit usage. Sorry. Yeah. Whatever. Gotcha. Um, and then payment history is 35%. 35%. Okay. What's the other Great percentages? Job, Rain Man. No problem. That leaves um, us with 35%. Credit age is 15%. What does credit age mean? How long you've had cards, your cards. Oh. So if you've had a card for 25 years, then... Um, that counts more because you've had it for a longer period of time. Okay, so credit age is 15? Correct. Yes. And then that leaves us with 20 left. Uh, That's the type of credit that you have, whether it's a revolving credit. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, type of credit. So if it's a revolving credit, like a credit card. Okay. um, Where you pay and then you spend. Is 20%? I don't know. That's ten percent. Oh, what's the other 10? Oh, man. Why don't you count down and let's go one at a time. But But I'm writing this down. (laughs) So the different types of credit that you have include the revolving loan or an installment loan, which would be something like your mortgage. mortgage So is installment loan better? No, having the variety, apparently. Yeah, you want a variety. Oh, you want a variety. Okay. Okay. All right. So it's not just all credit card debt or... Because I hate when people are like, oh, but that's good credit or that's bad credit. I'm like, what the hell is that? Well, you want a nice mix. You want a nice mix of credit. Okay. All right. Wait, what's the last 10%? Credit that inquiries. is how many, peop- how many times people have checked your credit. Oh, your credit score check. However, there are your two Your credit different- report check. Credit yes. report. Because yes. there are two different kinds of credit checks. So there are, there are, I think it's called a hard check. Yes. Maybe. Yes. Or a light check. Yes. So I would imagine that the cell phone company did a light check. Gotcha. Versus your mortgage or your a car hard loan. check. That was probably a hard check. Yeah. I got a hard check. Recently. Yeah. Car loans are yeah. a hard check. Oh, cool. Anything where a large <laughs> amount of money right. is yeah. at stake. It's super annoying though, because yeah. you're like, because I monitor my credit on credit right. me and it's like, oh, you had another credit inquiry. Yeah. So this goes down. Well, it's well, like if I'm on a diet and I have one night at Mighty Taco and it throws me off two weeks. Oof. Yeah. Sure when does. you know better, you do better. Yeah, and I know. You can do right. better than Mighty Taco. <laughs> Yikes. At least go to Coyote Cafe. <laughs> Mighty Taco is gluten-free shells. <laughs> for, for what it's worth. <laughs> One fun thing about turning 40 is thinking about retirement. <laughs> you should have been thinking about your retirement in your 20s. <laughs> But okay. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, that's not what people want to think about in their 20s. It isn't. But compound interest is your best friend. I don't even know what that means. So um, if you have <laughs> money in your retirement account accruing interest for 20 years, well, I guess if you're 25, it's probably more like 45 years. Is yeah. That right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not. I'm not good at math, but um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm here <laughs> to save the day. <laughs> so your money is not only earning money; the money you earn is earning money. So the earlier you start investing, for all you 25 year olds out there, the better you'll be. It's when it comes to retirement. So this is really funny. This is a pretty frequent conversation at my work. 
Really? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. we don't have retirement. We mm-hmm. don't have 401ks. Mm-hmm. We don't have, I mean, I'm sure we, Lisa would probably do it first if we asked because Lisa's freaking amazing. But it's always been when you're in a trade, it is very much um, intelligently pushed from a very young age that you need to start putting money aside because you only get what you put in. Um, so any new hairdresser that comes into our salon, I like sit down with them and have like a full financial talk with them about retirement. I opened my retirement fund when I was 21 and I was like, you are not going to have anything. Although I did check it at 30, which I just told your sister. And, um, I, I took out at that point, the account I had for my retirement was like very mild because you know, you're not making as much and whatnot. And I sat down with my financial advisor when I was 30 and she showed me how much I had accrued. And I was like, cool, I can retire for two days. Uh, (laughs) So I had to like up my aggressiveness of my retirement and of how much they took out and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I did start it at a young age because anybody in a job that your employer doesn't provide it or business owners or anything, you have to be on top of that because it's super scary that I want to be able to retire someday, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the person in a trade that has to work till they're 75, which is really common because trades don't have retirement options. Right. You don't get social, social security? Um, I mean, that tax comes out of my paycheck. So I think I might, but like, as far as like, if you work for certain companies, you get pensions, you get 401ks, you get, we don't have that kind of thing. Right. So you have to make sure you put that aside. So that's actually in our salon. Um, and with our experience, a conversation I have with every employee at our salon, like right away. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so smart. I mean, I was in super in debt when I opened my um, retirement, but you know, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> no, but actually let's talk about that because a lot of people say I need to pay off this high interest credit card First, debt before right. I can invest in retirement. And really what people should do is um, at least if you have a, a company that you work for that has a 401k or 403b or 457 or whatever retirement account they have, um, if they are offering matching funds, right. you want to at least put in enough so that you get those matching funds because that yeah. is free money. And that's what I did. I started off with something mild in my 20s. And then mm-hmm. when I turned 30, I like upped it quite by quite a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. But in my 20s, I wouldn't have been able to pay more than what I was paying just because of the financial situation we had gotten ourselves in. Right. Um, so I think you can always adjust that too, which people don't understand. But okay, let me let you get into all the types of retirement options. So there, if your employer doesn't offer a 401k or a retirement um, option plan for you, then of course you can open your own IRAs. Mm-hmm. And you can either do a, a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And what's the difference? So um, a Roth IRA is post-tax money. Okay. And a traditional IRA is pre-tax money. Okay. So, which means when you take the money out of an IRA, a Roth IRA, when you turn 59 and a half, because when you open a retirement account, you have to be 59 and a half before you take the money out or else you'll have to pay a 10% penalty. Um, when you take the money out, it's it, the tax has already been taken out. So you do not have to pay taxes on the contribution or anything that you, any uh, of the money that grew. That's Roth IRA. That is a Roth IRA. Okay. There has been some talk that that's the law now about Roth IRAs, Mm -hmm. but depending on how 
the government situation goes, and I'm not getting political in any way, but you know, when different administrations come in, they make changes. There was just a huge change to the tax law. There's a little bit of worry that by the time we're going to retire, mm -hmm. that the rules for the Roth IRA are going to change and maybe it might be taxed then. So people, some people are against Roth IRAs because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. And some people are against the traditional IRAs because um, then you have, you don't know what your tax rate is going to be in the future. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. that Those are I, both valid. Yeah, they are. So I would recommend doing a little bit of each. Yeah. So you're kind of mm -hmm. covering all your bases, right? So people assume when they retire, they're going to be in a lower tax bracket than what they're in at, during their working years. Mm -hmm. So that's why they put money into the traditional IRA because they think they'll pay less taxes when they take the money out when they retire. Okay. And can we go into just for the beginners in this conversation, sure. right? Which would also be me. What is a four hundred one k exactly? I mean, I hear that term tossed around in a lot of rap songs, but I just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and do they not explain it in the song? No, it's just like them around? going like this with yeah. the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in, in, in it, it rain. <laughs> so I'm about a stripper's booty. Yeah, a four hundred one k is just a retirement account that employers have as uh, you know, a benefit for their employees. Okay. What's the difference between that? What's a pension? So a pension is the difference between a 401k is you are putting money into your 401k. Okay. So you get a match from your employer, but it's usually anywhere between like a, you know, 2% to 6% match. Or if you've got a great employer, sometimes you get a 10% match, but you should know what that match is. And like I said, you should at least be putting in enough to get that match um, versus a pension, which I'm not hundred percent sure because so few um, companies offer pensions anymore. Right. And the companies that used to offer pensions Don't. like stopped offering pensions. Okay. But I think that's where the employee, I don't know, I'd have to actually look that up because I don't want to misspeak about what a pension is, but I'm going to Google it. Yes. I think a pension is more like um, when you retire from your position that gives you a pension, it gives you a certain amount and it's an amount that you can count on. Okay. Based yes. on the number of years that you work there. Yes. Yes. A That's regular exactly. payment made during a person's retirement from an investment fund to which that person or their employer has contributed during their working life. Yes. But I think the point with the pension is that the employer contributes a lot more to that. They gotcha. do. Than so a 401k. In New York State, um, it used to be that the employees, so there were different tiers to the New York State pension and each tier kind of came in at like a different, a different, um, like the rules change for like the retirement part. But in New York state, it used to be, the, um, if you got in at tier four, you only had to pay into your pension for 10 years of employment. And then you no longer had to put into it. Then your employer just put into it. Oh, okay. But if you were tier five or higher, you put into it the entire time. So you're vested into the pension around five years. And then after 10 years, you used to not have to pay anymore. Um, but now if you're tier five or higher, you do. But then when you retire, you get a guaranteed income. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. And it's like, a, so what they do is kind of like average your um it's based on the salaries the number of years and yes. usually the last th high three salaries that you yes received okay and that mm -hmm. usually is 
how your pension's determined. Yeah. Okay. And depending what age you retire and how many years of service you had within um, wherever you were, um, that also depends on how much you get. Because for some, like I know for some of my friends who were retiring, um, because I work for a state employer, um, when they were retiring, it was if they did like 63 versus 59, it was like a $10,000 difference. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a big difference. That's, you know, at least a couple of hundred every month because you usually get your your pension every month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So then we can keep going on. We have the 403B. Um, If we could go back a little bit on the IRAs. So for 401ks and IRAs, for anything retirement associated, you can't take the money out without any type of penalty until you are 59 and a half years old. Yes. And then when you turn 72, they have what they call required minimum distribution. So you have to take a certain amount of money out. By then. By by 70. When you turn 72. The year you turn 72, you have to start taking money out. Gotcha. In particular of a Roth IRA because the government wants you to pay tax. Or No, actually. No. With your IRA. Because with your regular IRA, you put the money in tax deferred. Okay. So now the government's right. like, the you gov- got to start taking this money out so right. that you can start paying taxes on it. Right. Right. And with a Roth IRA, you can actually five years, you have to wait five years. But when you contribute money into a Roth IRA, you can take out the amount that you contributed five years after you open the account. You can't take out any gains, but you can take out your contribution um, without any penalty. Oh, so some people, some people use a a Roth, um, IRA to fund their child's education. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Instead of a 529. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, but there are income Mm -hmm. limits to contribute to the Roth IRA. (laughs) If you make over a certain amount of money, uh, when you file your taxes, your adjusted gross income, if you make over a certain amount of money as a single person, or if you marry, if you're, married filing jointly or married filing single, um, there are income restrictions and it's usually for higher earners. The information that I just saw online was that if you're single, um, if you make... And ready to mingle? You know it. (laughs) If you make um, less than $124,000, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. What's the married one? Just curious. $196,000. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. God, that's so... so, Oh, Faith, you just came in. You know what? You know what? I'm so close. Same on the single one. Yeah. Same. God. (laughs) I mean, we were just like a dollar away. But... The other nice thing about the Roth IRA is that um, you do not have to take required minimum distributions when you turn 72 because you've already paid the tax on it. And oh, right. The as nice of thing, now. As of now. Right? As of right now. As of now. Right. Which we have to say. Yes. Because yes. that was very valid too. Right. Okay. Mm. Cool. Um, so cool, cool, cool. for your, your 401k, <laughs> I'm going to repeat because I think it's very important. You should at least contribute the amount that your employer is going to match because you are leaving money on the table if you don't do that. And once you get to that point, which is usually between like five and and 10%, once you get to that point, the limit that you can contribute to your 401k for 2020 is $19,500. Oh, okay. So it would be great if your ultimate goal um, would be to contribute at least $19,500 to your 401k. Right. Okay. Because 
with a 401k that's tax deferred, unless it's a Roth 401k. Um, but uh, for a regular 401k, uh, that is tax deferred. So it actually reduces your um, taxable income. Okay. Which is why people find it useful because mm-hmm. you, you pay less taxes. I will say this. This sounds really not super intelligent, but because <laughs> I'm a trade and Dan is in the education field, he will meet with his, um, the guy that does all of his retirement, everything with his school, like every year. And he's like, take the most out possible because faith will not have a retirement fund. So like, I You're need going to everything. want to stay married yeah. <laughs> forever. <laughs> so he, he always tells them that he's like, whatever, take the most out because like, I need to compensate for the fact that I have a wife who's zombie shops and she's retiring <laughs> with my ass and we need to take more out. So, so I, I'm sure that, you know, 25 year olds that are listening, if you just start when you first get your job to take out just (laughs) seems like so much. But every time you get a raise, every time you get any kind of bonus, you you can put that money in. Because a lot of times what happens, and it happened to us, you you know, as you start making more money, all of a sudden you're like, how did I, where did that money go? Right, right. It's like when you're paying daycare for a long ass time. And And then then you stop paying daycare. daycare And you're like, Wait. How am I not rich right yeah, now? Exactly. Yeah. Why I do ask I myself that all the time. All yeah. the time. So <laughs> when you keep track of your expenses um, and you know that that daycare expense is going to go away, automatically put that into a savings account instead. Right. Yeah. Because you were able to live paying that daycare expense. You can still continue to live paying it. Just pay it to yourself. Right. Because then you'll have other expenses like hockey or dance or... The same thing with a car loan. Like if you know you want to buy a car or you you will need a car in a couple of years, then start making car payments to yourself. And then you can have a bigger down payment on the car and you'll have to finance less of it. Right. And if if you're very aggressive with it, you can maybe even pay your car in cash. Right. And don't even have to take a loan out. Um, I adulted by doing something. So I want to share it with What you. did you do? So um, I actually forgot to sign up for flex spending this year, which sucks because having oh. that, yeah, it does suck. However, I am going to be getting more money in in my check now. And I was like, I don't want to be an idiot with that money. Like, what should I do? Automate it. So what I'm doing is, so I already have my car payment being taken out of um, out of my check automatically bi-weekly. So I'm going to double it. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. I would really appreciate that. That is adulting right there. Because I need your validation. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's a good idea. (laughs) You might want to look at any high interest debt you have. Should have paid cash. Might be lower than. Should have paid cash. (laughs) I know. Exactly. (laughs) I got to hang out with Faith's mobster friends. (laughs) It's stripper money. No, I'm, I'm totally joking. If you've seen me, you clearly know these. This chest is not one of a stripper. Do, do I get? Am I going to get paid for this podcast? And no, I, I brought you. Rose am I going to get you, paid for this podcast? We'll put no, an extra dollar no. fifty into your investment of your pension. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, so okay, so moving on to the other types of retirement, right? Yes. So there's the 403b, the 457. Um, the 457 is like the holy grail for retirement, though. What is the 457? Yeah. So it is um, a. I believe that it's only available to public 
servants, <laughs> like uh, municipal governments, state governments, and oh, and like maybe. cops. Fight, yeah, like I that? think so. Yeah. So the nice thing about it is, if you leave your job and you are um, younger than fifty nine and a half, you don't have to pay any penalty to take money out. Oh wow! Oh, excuse me. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> and the four hundred three B we just looked up um, is for <laughs> employees. It's a four hundred one k essentially for employees of tax exempt organizations. So it's okay. nonprofit. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Educational institutions and things like that. Hospitals. But really, all of these retirement um, vehicles are are set up to, except for the Roth, obviously, um, are set up to um, lower your taxable income. So hopefully you're paying less income tax mm -hmm. because you're not, your adjustable gross income will decrease. Um, for anybody who um, may work for one of the entities that has a 403B, it's also called deferred comp or deferred compensation too. Because I knew what deferred compensation was. I never knew it was called a 403B. I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and then I've been contributing to one. Yeah. Oh, like, cool. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. You have That's one. Great. Yeah, exactly. Now we're on to the listener questions. So thank you, everybody who wrote in, other than the spam, who wrote in. <laughs> Thanks for a spam. We're mega famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who wrote in with some really awesome questions. Um, so our first question is, should I invest more in my 401k or buy more company stock or stock options? That is a very specific question that would constitute investment advice <laughs> that I am not prepared to give um, and or qualified to give. But I would say that you want to make sure that investments that you have are diversified. So explain if, that. So diversification is when you have money in equities and money in bonds and money in real estate and, mm -hmm. uh, uh, small cap funds or large cap businesses. So you want to make sure that your money is in international stocks, U.S. stocks. You want to make sure that you are divers diversified in what you are invested in. And a lot of times if you are buying company stock, you are heavily invested in your own company, which might not meet that diversification goal that you should want to have. Okay. I Go have ahead. a question. Yeah. It's not a listener question. It's my question. Mm -hmm. So I know that you going through your divorce was what kind of spawned the idea for this podcast. Uh -huh. And my question would be when you were going through that, what was the hardest thing you had? Like what was kind of like the, the shock of going through and writing this down? Like what were you, did you feel like you weren't prepared for financially? Um, was it like, did you not have a grasp over like certain things or retirement or like, what was the part of it that you were like, oh my God, I need so much help because I feel like if there's listeners out there, I want to make sure that they have a handle on whatever they're going through so that should a situation like that arise, they feel more prepared. Right. Right. Well, I, I think that it was not knowing how much I had in anything. Okay. Like yeah. I knew I had retirement accounts. I never paid attention to them. Gotcha. Which yeah. is terrible. I know. Try no, it's not. Cause you kind of trust the process. <laughs> you invest it yeah. and you trust it. Yeah. That's not crazy. And the nature of investments are that they go up and down right. depending on the market. Right. So you don't want to check your retirement account every week or right. every, even every month. You want to check it maybe once a quarter, at least once a year. Um, I was 
about 10 years out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to pay attention. But it was really, I was like, how do I not know where my money right. is? How do I not know if I'm prepared to retire or not? Like, granted, I was like 38 at the time, but, but I'm still. like, I want to retire at one point. Right. Like, and then just looking at like my debt was nuts. I'm right. like, I have to reel this in. Like, I can't live my life like this. Like, it was causing anxiety, too. So right. I feel like that was a big thing, too. But just really looking at, okay, where is my money going? Right. Like, how, and I'm still working. Like, I'm still a big work in progress here. Well, I think but, most people are. Yeah. Because but, once you're good, you have something that arrives in some way, like, if you're doing really good and you have everything paid off and you're doing great, then maybe you buy a second house or you buy a boat or you right. buy a third car or you have kids that have to go to college. I mean, I feel like even when you're good, like, was it more money, more problems? Yeah. Mace <laughs> got it right, man. Well, and I think for me, like my dream in retirement was to buy like a little beach cottage. And I was like, oh, girl, please. <laughs> you know you're going to stay over there all the time. Um, but that was that was the thing. I was like, well, if I actually want to do something like right. this, like I need to get my shit together. That's you could the buy, whole point oh, of... I was just going to say we could buy one together and be Grace and Frankie. But yeah, I love that show. <laughs> In the Hamptons. Oh, can we get that one? Mm, the whole okay. point of having money is to be able to live the life that you want to live. Right. So Amen. If, if you want that beach house then you need to make sure you're working towards that goal. Yeah. So that means maybe sacrificing your life right now, some expenses that you you know normally would just not care about, um, sacrificing those for the ultimate goal of being able to buy this beach house. Right. Like I have size four jeans in the back of my closet that I <laughs> sacrifice eating certain foods. So one day the hope is alive that I can fit my dream jeans. Just buy a size six whatever your a day. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, whatever your motivation is, know what your ultimate goal is. And I think that makes a difference in terms of how you're going to save your money as well. So if right. you have a goal of retiring at some point, whether it's at 50 or at 65, or you love your job and you want to work forever, you need to make sure that you're contributing enough money into your retirement so that you can reach that goal. Right. If you, yeah. if it's important for you to have your children get a really great education at maybe a private school or Ivy League school or whatever, then you need to focus on saving that money in your, your kids' 529s. Right? Well, I think it's really smart and it sounds like such a basic idea, but I think when it comes to money, maybe this is just me, but I know that the problems that I've ever in, incurred for money is like an immediate thing, right? It's like, oh my God, it's breathing down the back of your neck and you know what's awaiting you the next week. But I think you're so right though. I think so few times do you take yourself outside of your own current money issues or mm -hmm. bills or whatever it is mm -hmm. to see the big picture Right. To say, okay, here's the big picture. Because the second you you put it into big picture terms, it, it makes more sense. But I feel like when you're in the daily struggle of like, you're not thinking about that extra coffee. You're not thinking about that Amazon purchase. I mean, especially right. now there's right. so many apps that make it <clears throat> really easy to buy things um, with <laughs> impulse shopping or impulse anything, really. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, very few times are you self-aware enough when you're thinking about money and spending to take yourself to that world where you're thinking, okay, what are my priorities? I think really smart 
amazing people do. But I think most humans probably struggle with seeing that big picture. But when you say it out loud, it makes it a lot easier to stick to. Right. And I think the important thing too is whether you're in debt or whether you're building up your savings to just be kind to yourself because it takes time. Yeah. Like, and that's the hardest part is being like, okay, here it is. This is what I have to do. But you have to chip away a little bit each month or each paycheck. And think about how long it took you to get into Right. The debt Good standing. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that it's going and to take that we much were time. Aggressive about it. Right. Right. You know, and it took us like it really did take us seven years to like get to a good place with all that. And we were making decent money at that point too, but we had to take care of like what we went through in the past. But it did feel really empowering to get past that, you know. But you, and you had a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm gonna be honest, it felt good to go into a car dealership and be like, I'm buying a car, bitches. And like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> But like I was like, you would have gotten I was a great like, deal. Yeah, check the score. Like <laughs> I was like, it's mine. Like I was so excited because I was like, couldn't do this ten years ago. Right, right. Ten right. years ago, my credit card, w- or my credit score was shit, and I was super in debt, and I had no money. Right, and I was making money, but I had none. And, mm-hmm. and it's also helpful to go into something like, uh, you know, a car, a dealership, and. and be empowered with knowing what your credit score is, knowing the deal that you can get. So when um, my husband was buying his car, this was a a couple of years ago, um, they they wanted to finance the car at the dealership because that's really where they make a lot of their money by financing. And because we, I knew that what the the um, interest rate ro- was at the credit union, mm-hmm. right? Because credit I knew unions are amazing. That I could get, we could get a loan at the credit mm-hmm. union. They negotiated the interest rate for their financing. Oh, yeah, that's great. I did yeah. the same thing Offered. when I got my yeah. car because I had a better rate through the credit union. I'm like, I well, love our credit union. We did our mortgage through them, and they were a thousand times better than dealing with the bank. Right. And you can close in less than thirty days if you go through a credit union. Right. FYI. <laughs> um, so you touched a little bit about 529. So uh, one of our other listener questions, what is the best way to save for a kid's college? Is it an IRA or a 529? Well, the issue with the IRA is going to be that you can't withdraw the money until you're 59 and a half. Oh, so yeah. depending on the age of your child, it's... And you, if unless you have a job, you can't open an IRA. Unless you have income, right. you can't open an IRA. So... If you're if you're talking about an IRA for yourself, you won't be able to withdraw that money until you're 59 and a half, unless you open a Roth IRA, in which case you can withdraw just your contribution oh, without right. penalty. I gotcha. So you're you can't withdraw any of the gains that you've made though. Right. So okay. 529. So a 529, again, this constitutes uh, advice, financial advice <laughs> that right. I'm not. So I'm just going to give you the facts of 529, especially in New York state. I don't know. I, I understand that some of your listeners are international, <laughs> Australian and other, in I, other we, don't well, we don't want to brag. We don't want to brag. I think we have one in Egypt, but you know, whatever. whatever. Cool. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I think we got a new one in Bali too, by the way. <gasps> Bali? Yeah. Who is oh my god. So I should probably also say message that us. I should <laughs> probably also say that any of the information provided is for 
the United New States York. of America. Right. <laughs> Sometimes um, just New York State. Sorry, New international York. listeners. We love you too. <laughs> New York State actually has a great 529 plan mm-hmm. and you can open it yourself. You don't need a financial advisor to open up a 529 plan for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's through Vanguard, which is a great investment company. Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, they're all good, well-known, reputable um investment firms. Okay. Um, and the fi- when you invest into a 529, it gives you a break on your New York state taxes. Oh. Now, however, that being said, the 529 can only be used for college. Uh, no, I think those rules changed where it can be used for private school, high school. Oh. I believe. But only education. It can so only like, be used for education purposes. So like However, what happens if, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, how you can transfer it over. So let's say you have two kids, you're putting money into a 529. Mm-hmm. The first kid decides he doesn't want to do, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking from my own, what I think is going to be my experience. But <laughs> you know, your first kid decides he doesn't want to go to college. Um, and your second one decides they want to go to really expensive school. You can transfer that money in over to your second child. Okay. Just, I mean, I'm just throwing out worst case scenario. What if both of your children decide that they're not collegiate? You can go back to school or you can transfer it over to anyone else, like a nephew or a niece or your grandchildren. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Just, I mean, you just, but it does have to be used for education. I like grandchildren. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so we kind of already talked about the best money management apps. So different ones. Oh, and setting realistic budgets while saving. Was that a question someone asked? Yes. Yeah. So setting real realistic budgets while saving. Well, I think we touched on that too. Um, Yeah. And we talked about like figuring out your income, figuring out where you spend. And then when you create your new budget, prioritize. Right. You know, and I'm going to be honest, like a date night with my husband, like, well, I'd like to say once a week, but with him back in school, it's been like every other week, sometimes three, but I will budget that. I will budget a night for him and I, I will, but cause that is important to me. It right. could be stupid, frivolous spending, but that is important to me. Vacations, super important to me. So I'm budgeting that into my budget. And I don't care if people think it's stupid. I just can't spend well, money it, other places. It all depends right? on what's important to right. you. Right. So it's, it's like, like prior- yeah, it's yeah. prioritizing what is important to you and then going for it. It's like planning a wedding. And you also <laughs> want to take a look at what you're saving uh, and right. what you're saving in. So if you have something, an expense that you know is going to happen in five years or less, you want to make sure that's in just a regular savings account or a high interest savings account. Because any money that is going to be invested in the stock market can go up and down and up and down depending on what the market's doing. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, if you're you're putting your house, uh, house down payment in the stock market, you better hope that when you actually need that money to right. put the down payment that the stock market hasn't gone down because you might not even have as much as you put in. Yeah. I don't know if this happened, like, I don't know how old your parents are, but I feel like they could be kind of around the generation of my parents, but my parents are both ready to retire at a certain age and then went to, and then it was those two years that the stock market 2008, went 2009. real low. Yes. And they pretty much like two years before that in two years, it dropped to half of what they would have had. So that did happen to them. They were part of that. A lot of their friends are part of that. It it was pretty bad. I remember that. That's why it's important to diversify what your money is in. 
Right. Um, because you can weather those storms a little bit easier right. if you're diversified. And also, if you're getting close to retirement, usually if you have about two years worth of expenses in cash, right, you can still retire because, um, well, I mean, if you want to, because um, it usually takes about two years for the market to come back. Right, right. And I mean, okay. it all worked out in the end, but I right. remember when they wanted mm. to retire, that's right. when the market hit like an all-time low. My mom's like, if we had retired two years ago, we would have had double what we'd get if we retired right now. But you don't know. And right. that's the whole exactly. nature yeah. of yeah. investing your money. And God love our parents, but they were the generation that just trusted it, invested everything, mm -hmm. you know, didn't save a dime for themselves, never spent outside of what they could afford. And I felt terrible because I'm like, oh, they put it all in investments. Now they can't retire, you know? That was an older right. generation. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so I have a question actually talking about um, uh, those like investing. So if you are not an expert at stocks or even like, what is it, like a novice um, at investing, would you recommend um, like being an aggressive investor or because like some, so for example, for a four, 403B, mm -hmm. you have different options. You could be like minimal, um, like uh, middle of the road, and then you can do it aggressively. So if you don't really understand the whole stock thing, do you want to be aggressive and just kind of hope for the best or? Well, it's really down to your risk tolerance. Right. Okay. So if you, and how long, when you're going to need the money. Okay. So for something like your retirement accounts, uh -huh. as a young person, yes. you can be a little bit more aggressive because you clearly have a, a lot more time right. to rebound if the market does go down. If you're in your 50s, you probably want to be a little less aggressive um, mm -hmm. because you don't have as much time to rebound if, if the, when the not if, when the market goes down. Okay. Um, for something like if you just have a taxable investment account, mm -hmm. you know, saving for a future goal 10 years down the line or something, you really need to know your risk tolerance. If you see okay. that you've lost, you know, half this money, are you going to throw up? And, and if so, then put it in a little less aggressive. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that usually means like the, the mix between um, stocks and bonds. Okay. Bonds are considered a little safer, but mm -hmm. um, and you hope that they keep pace with inflation. And the higher the risk, the higher the reward. Mm -hmm. Okay. Basically. So stocks are a little bit more risky, but you can make more of a return on those stocks. We could have Dan on about that. He teaches oh. AP economics. Oh, oh nice. Perfect. And so what one of the big projects he does with his students is they have to do fake investments on stocks at the beginning of the year and so they track smart. it all year. Yeah. And um, then he decided to put our own money into it because he's like, I'm real good at this. <laughs> he's been <laughs> oh, teaching boy. it for a while. Try yeah. this well, out. I would also, for myself personally, I don't invest in individual stocks. Right. I invest in uh, either index funds or in um, mutual funds. Okay. And usually index funds have a little less expense to them. Um, but, you know, take a look at what's available. And, and usually with an index fund, it follows an index like the S&P 500 mm -hmm. right. or, you know, uh, bond funds. Mm -hmm. um, and with the mutual funds, they're usually a mix of, of different companies. I have mutual funds. Nice. Oh, I know you. that. Nice. <laughs> Yay. Great. Stamps, Good for you. Stamps for funds. 
I, fa- I yeah. fell asleep a little bit during that conversation. Versus, <laughs> but stocks are uh, individual stocks and companies mm-hmm. are a little bit riskier. Yeah, stocks okay. are like gambling. That's what my financial right. advisor told me. She's like, basically, you're gambling. It's illegal gambling, and it's it, it like you said. She's like, you risk, and you can get a big reward, but you could lose a lot. And it's it's kind of like gambling, but. Well, everybody's heard the stories about the person who invested in Amazon when it first started. Right. Or right, bought right. Apple stock or right. bought Microsoft stock. Right. And, mm-hmm. You know, they could retire at 23 right. millionaires. But that is, the, that usually does not happen. And you really have to follow this stuff. Too. That's like a Cinderella story. Right. Most people want, are, uh, should take a buy and hold policy. You buy And then you just hold it for a long period of time. So the ups and downs in the market aren't going to make that much of a difference to you because you're in it for the long term. Got it. Mm -hmm. Smart. Absolutely. Um, One of, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I wasn't. (laughs) Okay. I've just been drinking a lot of rosé and I'm looking real, real excited (laughs) over here. I finished my whole glass. I need to move my (laughs) chair over again. Um, So this was a really good question, actually. Um, So what are your suggestions for kind of the current generation who is in under so much debt? And kind of like how can we teach future generations differently? I feel like a lot of people in this generation are in so much student loan debt. Yeah. Yes. Well, the first thing you can do is not overextend yourself in terms of student loans. Right. It's, yeah, everybody, not everyone can make it in, but everyone would like to go to a private school, right? Mm -hmm. And pay $60,000 a year um, for their education. Um, But you need to be realistic about what you're, you're getting your degree in. A thousand percent. And you have to think about your yield of like income your your, your income potential yeah, when exactly. you get it yeah when yeah, you yeah. graduate and you get a job if right. you're going to be a liberal arts major what what kind of job are you going to get after you oh graduate oh my god you sound like mom i'm just saying <laughs> it's true though yeah it's true i mean right. like dan is a teacher mm-hmm. and he had so many friends that he taught with that went to fisher or damon or amazing schools he has a friend that went to columbia all for teaching degrees. So when they all graduated, they had two hundred thousand dollars in student loans because of course a house. And that is a house. And then they started at jobs where they started at twenty eight thousand yeah. dollars because you're a teacher. Yeah. And that's where you start at. Now, granted, the steps jump depending on what district you're in, but that's where you're starting. Right. So you're crippled. And we had a lot of people, a lot of friends of ours who went into colleges or majors that didn't yield the income they thought they would get coming out of it because it just wasn't realistic. It didn't match. It was very unbalanced for either what they were going in for or what their tuition was compared to what they were going to make in a realistic job coming out of it. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, like my advice, um, That I always say, like, which we apply to our children is like, I, yes, I tell my kids they can be anything they want in this world. And I never want to like stifle their dreams, Mm -hmm. but I'm also incredibly realistic. And like, if my kids don't know what they want to do, they are going to a two-year school or a SUNY school for business, for something 
that they can get a job in no matter where they go after that. Because mm-hmm. without a lot of student loan debt, you know, you just have to, I feel like no one sat us down and talked to us about the realities of what you're going to college for. It's a return on your investment. One thousand percent. The return on your investment is going to be. A thousand percent. And I feel like I feel so bad for the generations. Like we're part of that and generations under us for probably about 10 years where we just weren't given that education. So yeah, there's a lot of girls. There's girls at our salon that are just like buried in student debt and loan debt. And like Sally Mae gives them a call. And like if they're making more money, she's taking more instantly. Yep. And it's just so hard because you don't want to see that happen to people. Um, but I mean. And I know people that took out loans to live. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, it wasn't even paying for their college tuition. It was paying for them to live the lifestyle that they were used to living at home. Right. And they got themselves into debt doing that. And right. that is just, I mean, when you, the reason why they say living like a college student is because you're not supposed to be living large when you're a college student. But we right. all did. Well, I did. Mm. I'll speak for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to eat Raymond noodles. Yeah. Ramen ex- noodles. Exactly. No, I like took out the maximum student loan every year and like went to Daytona Beach. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you're killing me. I Faith. told you I wasn't. Judgment. I wasn't judgment good. But you know what? It's okay. When you know better, you do better. Exactly. I, I know. I just think it's just about being really realistic because you realize that when you're out of college, you're just like the rug gets pulled from under you. Right. And you realize no one's really in your corner. And every, <laughs> really, everybody's doing it. Well, everyone has student loans. Everybody has. You right. Know. Yeah. It's normalized. Right. right. It is normalized. So I guess my advice, um, if you've already gone through, like if you're about to go into school or you have kids going into school, just be super realistic. I have clients that come in and I love them so much. And they're like, oh, yeah, my my kid doesn't know where he wants what he wants to be when he grows up. But he's going to the school in D.C. that's $72,000 a year. And I'm just like, why nope. are you doing that to him? Because you're not doing it to you. You're doing it to him. Right. And I've seen people with that. And I mean, I it, it's just I think you have to be as realistic as possible going into a situation because the last thing you want your kids to do is be in the same situation you were possibly in. Right. And I think if you're someone that's just coming out of that situation, you just graduated, you did great. Now you have all this debt. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like where they could go for like, is there any student loan debt consolidation plans for them? Is there something they can do? Well, usually student loans have all different interest rates. So you have to see what would be the benefit of consolidating. If the interest rate for the loan consolidation is higher than a couple of the the loans that you have, then maybe that wouldn't make sense. I mean, like, and then here's me. I'm just like SoFi is a a organization that does that. Or even sometimes credit unions. Credit unions. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm spitballing here. I don't don't know the authenticity in this, but like, let's say you have so much in student loans. What if you went to a credit union, took out a loan, got a better interest rate, paid off one of your student loans, and then you pay the credit union, but it's a better interest rate. Like, would that be better? What do well, you Well, some loans can't be refinanced. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So I think if you get like a federal loan, I'm not sure what, what loans can or cannot be refinanced, but that's something that you have to look into. And a lot of times if you have an income-based repayment plan, you don't necessarily want to refinance that. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's so hard. I do feel for the generation, though, coming out of college right now, because I definitely think it's just like you're literally like sucker punched Mm -hmm. with your loan debt coming back in. It's that big picture. 
that right. you mentioned, it's so hard to to see that, to look at that. Well, it's even harder to see that when you're 20 years old. Right. You don't have any big picture. You're going to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> um. So just kind of starting to wrap up this episode, which has blown my mind. I don't think we just helped the thinking. last question. I think we gave like little advice, but I don't know if we I mean, I it. think that helps though. Okay. Um, we love you. I'm sorry. I was 24 and broke too. It's okay. You'll be okay. If I can make it, you <laughs> yeah. can make it. There's my advice. There you go. <laughs> well, um, if you're looking at repaying loans, if you're looking at the order of operations, Dave Ramsey has his baby steps. Mm-hmm. which give you the order, order of operations. But you want to make sure before you're saving any money for your children's education that you are saving money for your retirement first. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you cannot borrow money to pay for your retirement, but you can borrow money to pay for your kids' education. Or your That's kids literally can borrow money. what my financial advisor told me. Yes. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're <laughs> taking care of your retirement first. Then you're wanting to pay off all of your high interest rate um, debt that you have. Before that, though, you want to make sure that you have your buffer inch emergency fund of right. $500 to $1,000 in case you have some unexpected expenses and you don't get yourself deeper into debt with that. You want to pay off your high interest debt, consumer debt. Um, and then um, you want to up whatever it is you're saving for retirement and up your um, emergency fund to get it to six months worth of expenses. Three Love it. That's right. a great plan. Yes. Uh, what are some of your favorite financial podcasts. I have three pages here. Financial oh, oh my gosh, right. really? You literally have 45 seconds. Dude, my <laughs> absolute favorite one is Jill on Money with Jill Schlesinger. And she wrote a book too, 13 Things That Dumb, dumb Mistakes That People Make With Their Money, Smart People Make With Their Money. It's really good. I love that book. Um, Her Money with Gene Chatsky is a really great one. Stacking, that is a good one. Stacking Benjamins is um, a Ooh. funny like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a funny show. Um, and uh, so it's an entertaining way to look at finances. Um, so Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. She's pretty good too. And she has um, not just, it, it's a financial podcast, but it doesn't only focus on finances. It, it kind of looks at the more holistic stuff. Afford Anything, if you're thinking of um, retiring early with financial independence. Pete the Planner and the Financial Diet just started a new one oh, yeah. called Financial yeah. Confessions. That's a good one. Yes. Well. They're actually coming to Buffalo in February too. They are. I follow them on Instagram. I'm in oh, wow. one of their sponsors. So. Oh, yes. wow. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So if you like what you hear, here, here, here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. H-E-A-R-H-E-R-E. <laughs> oh my God. You got that right. I did. <laughs> I totally did. I drew it You're in my so mind pretty. first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Rosanna. Sure. Thank you. This was amazing. You're this welcome. was super thank enlightening. You, yes. Yeah. And I feel like comprehensive enough for anyone to understand. I understood it. So yeah. we're, we're in the clear. We're totally good. I'm always like the tester. Faith like when it. you need to test something like, oh, well, Faith got it. We're good. Yeah. We're good. We're golden here. Yes. I represent the lowest level of intelligence of someone listening to our podcast. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's that, okay. That's a bar. I am. <laughs> And I'm okay with it. Yes. <laughs> and if anybody has um, any further questions or anything, you can just email us because we don't need to give you your personal. And we'll forward it to a financial her. planner. Yeah. Or go see a financial <laughs> Someone planner. Someone went to school for it. Yeah. Right. That'll do it too. Um, thank you so much, Rosanna. Thank this you so much. Thanks, ladies. Bye.